When's the best time to create your book or any writing for that matter? Write effing now. Tune in and we'll help you master writing, marketing, and publishing one bite at a time. Drewby Wilson is the best-selling author of the book, Crushing the Day, a simple guide to success in business and life through service to others. And you are in for a treat because if you've been wondering how to blend your personal and business storytelling, he has got all the tactics for you right after this. It's time to write effing now. Here's your host, She's the book lady, the word nerd, and a shameless writing addict, Hillary Jastrom. I'm reminding you about the two roads that diverged in a wood by Robert Frost of the narrative poem, The Road Not Taken. Why such a long cut way around things? To let you know, bye-bye, Jay Hill, and hello, all of Bookmark, all the time. That's right. We've gone all in on books and couldn't be happier about it, as proven by our new shiny URL, bookmarkpub.com. If you've got a book in you bursting to get out, just visit bookmarkpub.com. We'll get you started on your book writing journey, ASAP. Can't wait to hear from you. Returning guest, Drewby Wilson, is a sales god. He is a mindset coach. After all, what is sales? He is a natural born speaker, a bulldozer, and a very kind friend. Of course, he wears other titles, but this is how I think of him. When you learn more about him, you can appreciate that no one was standing there with a bunch of tools waiting to hand them to him to take over the world. He had to find out how to do that himself. But when it came to creating his best-selling book that booked so hard, it broke his Amazon algorithm for an entire day, he learned a thing or two about blending his personal life with his business mission. And he's here to tell you all about it today. If you want to know more and get in touch with him, arguably one of the best sales trainers on the planet, visit Drewby. Hit me up with your URL, please. Connectwithdrewby.com. You heard the man. Visit connectwithdrewby.com. So please welcome to the show the unquenchable Drewby Wilson. You know, I really appreciate the introduction. I'm glad we're doing audio because nobody can see me blushing. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me back on your show, Hillary. It's very exciting to be here. Uh, Very excited to be here and share with your audience. I know you had asked me to, to really dive in deep with you today. So I really hope that people are, they got their listening ears on and they're ready to really take notes and and implement some of the things that we're going to talk about. Yes, absolutely. Because you've been through the ringer on this um, and you're actually working on your second book right now, which means you liked doing the first one so much you had to do another one. Would you know I've got that one plus another one in the background with a group of guys. So, you know, I've technically got second and third book in the works. You're spinning the book plates. That's amazing. That's just incredible. And I love that it speaks to who you are. You do crush the day. You do crush tasks. You do crush anything in front of you, whether it's books or sales 
or learning or dadding or husbanding or VPing or, or what are you? No, you're a president, aren't you? Uh, vice president, but that's okay. It's still a good title. Nothing wrong with being a strong number two. Vice presidente. That's what that's I, correct. yes, absolutely. So let's talk about this background on how you decided to write the next book, because you talked about the first book, Crushing the Day. So let's talk about your second book. Tell us all about it. Tell us when it came to you that this is what I want to do. I see a pattern in you as well that I just want to bring up before you answer that question, which is you seem to amass experience and then you launch it out into a book. I love that perspective because it's absolutely true. I think for me, going into my second and even my third book, Mm -hmm. a lot of what I was able to learn doing Crushing the Day and launching that one was purpose and intention with what I'm putting out next. And I think to go with what you had said, I, I really like to test things and prove them and see that they're tangible and will actually work not just for myself, but I like to get, you know, client case studies and kind of have others try these things before I start putting them out to the public. And that's really what it's all about. It's like, okay, hey, here's a thing that's proven. I've done it. It worked for me. I was able to coach others on how to use and implement it in their life without it being overly complicated. And so now here we have the microwave directions to success on this specific topic. And I say microwave directions because I really think it breaks into like lay terms, Mm -hmm. what it takes to create that success, right? It's like, all right, step one, do this, take it out of the box. Step two, take the plastic off. Step three, heat it up in the microwave. Step four, give it two minutes to cool. And that's an important step that most people skip over, right? And then step five, enjoy. But a lot of people will complicate it and try to do all these steps in the wrong order. And so for me, I really think, hey, if I'm going to create something that works for me, how can I take that and then give it in a simple formula, one, two, three microwave directions for other people to take and implement? And that's really what the books are about. And this second book that I'm working on with you that I'm very, very excited about, um, still a working title, but I'm pretty sure we've settled on The Meme Lord. Mm -hmm. how I discovered the value of social trends and use them to build my multi-million dollar empire. And uh, very excited about it because I have created a digital course called Closer Memes. I love memes. I think it is something that I've built my personal brand and my business around. I mean, heck, I got Meme Lord tattooed across my knuckles for crying out loud. When did you do Uh, that? (laughs) Uh, So I got that done in August of last year. So that would have been a little over a year ago now, back in 2021. Wow. That is Yes, 100% commitment. But the truth is, I've lived it. I've experienced it over the last three to four years, really full bore. Uh, Like I said, I launched the course. I've used it. I've coached over a thousand different people who have signed up for my course on how to use memes to get more attention online, Mm -hmm. how to generate communication and conversation with their ideal client, Mm -hmm. and then ultimately how to build that know, like, and trust factor that's so important 
when it comes to sales and business ownership. Um, and then using the memes to just get the deal done and collect that payment. Because ultimately, as an entrepreneur business owner, we want to serve and help people, but we still have to be able to help them make a decision and, and close the transaction or get the deal done. So that's what I've been able to do with memes. And I think that's my personality. But And I think this kind of touches on the topic we wanted to talk about today, how I blend my personal life, my personality with my business, and I'm able to use those two in unison uh, to work with the kind of clients I want to work with, but also to create more success in my own life. Well, absolutely. And so first of all, and we're going to dive into this a little bit more deeply, but I think this is using memes is the personification of inserting your own humor or insights or opinions into business. So you went into that a little bit in your first book in terms of blending that business and pleasure. But I think this book really hammers it home because you're demonstrating that the whole way through. But that said, talk to me about memes as if I'm three years old. So if I'm talking about memes to a three-year-old, and we're we're going to go deep on this in the book. So I hope the listeners make sure to pick up a copy when it comes out is a meme really is just a transfer of information. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if I'm explaining it to a three-year-old, I would say, if you see me touch the stove and back away quickly, it's because the stove is hot. So it's a transfer of information. Mm-hmm. And so for me, telling you not to touch the stove, that's a transfer of information. Mm -hmm. By demonstrating not to touch the stove, that's a transfer of information. So to a three-year-old, they're going to understand, hey, if daddy says not to do something or, you know, shows me what to do or not to do, then I know that's what I should be doing, right? There's communication there. So a meme, when you think about fast forward to 2022, the era we're in now, it has shifted over time. So adults look at memes and they typically think of a funny picture from a movie or a television series that they recognize Mm -hmm. with some kind of words over it that have changed the context of that scene specifically. So what it originally was created as back in 1970s or early 80s has shifted in that 40 years from more of a biological standpoint to internet virality, right? Social trends, things that people are interested in that they want to know more about or connect with. Does that kind of help? I think it does help. And it's it's interesting because memes are, and we'll see them floating all around social media. And, um, you know, one of the most popular ones is, well, you tell me, what's the most popular meme out there that you're seeing anyways? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, they changed so much. But yeah. quick example was the Will Smith and Chris Rock situation at the Grammys. Oh. <laughs> that thing was super mean, right? Yeah. Everybody and their mother created a Chris Rock, Will Smith meme. So that's a great example. If you think back, Baby Yoda memes, right? Yeah. All the different funny pictures of Baby Yoda from the Mandalorian. So 
Grogu for the true fans, right? And um, the the lady screaming at the cat. You guys all remember that one where the there's a blonde lady on the left and the silly cat sitting at the table eating salad. Yes. Like those are all memes that people will recognize in the sense of a picture with with text overlay. And, you know, what I found really interesting when we started digging into the science of memes, because there actually is a science for memes, and I can't remember what it's called. Can you? Um, The science of memes as far as memetics and kind of the study of memes. Yes. Memetics. Yes, there's actually a science. And when you learn that, it's, it's like, oh, my gosh, this is really interesting because there is an actual emotional reason that memes work. And the great thing about memes, I think, you know, besides the fact that a lot of them are funny and they're, they're this levity, right? And so you're, it feels like to me, you're blending a good moment with a message. And so it hits harder and it resonates and you retain that information longer. But what I love about memes is that they're kind of like emojis in that very quickly you're able to encapsulate how somebody's feeling, what's going on with them. You can you can take in emotions, you can take in the words that they're sending to you, and you do it, it very, very quickly, faster than, um, I don't know, maybe even talking, perhaps, depending on, like, unless you're talking like this, like, I'm sad. I'm bad. I'm good. like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, yeah, but I think that's the beauty of it is it's a shortcut to communication and it's literally like built into our genetics because yeah. memes originally, if you want to get into the science of it a little further, it goes back to Darwinism. When yeah. one animal saw another animal perform a specific task and achieve a specific result, they would copy that. So that's really where memes comes from is like Charles Darwin and Richard Dawkins, who was studying this transfer of information and memetics and Darwinism. And now when you think about it, it's like you said, it's, hey, here's a picture from the show Friends that we all recognize if you grew up in the you know late 90s, everybody watched the show Friends. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people relate back to that specific image or that scene because we've all watched the reruns 10,000 times late night TV. Right. So we're instantly transported back to that moment. So there's this natural connection. So think about even in that same instance, cave paintings. Mm-hmm. If a caveman walked into a cave and on the wall of the cave, there's a picture of Buffalo and a man with a spear chasing it. That caveman, if he's ever experienced that before or been a part of a hunt, can now instantly say, hey, there are hunters nearby or someone has hunted buffalo in this area. So it must be a good area to hunt. It's a transfer of information, but it's just imagery. It's that quick. A picture is worth a thousand words. But in 2022, if you know how to do it correctly and use it from a marketing standpoint for a business, Mm -hmm. you can have a lot of quick communications with your ideal client and perhaps convince them or persuade them to utilize your product or service. Well, and it's interesting too, because I think this goes back into uh, kind of marketing motivations because there are emotional reasons that we choose laundry soap 
or you know that we that we eat the peanut butter that we do and a lot Fabrice. of things, yeah, great well, example yeah well and it's buried in nostalgia right um scent is huge to your point it's absolutely huge because it makes people feel a certain way um but that that nostalgic piece is enormous so when you're looking at that meme about friends and you're like oh yeah and it made me feel good i feel good when i read this um conversely i wonder then uh, having done zero research on this um if a meme that's political for example because it evokes such emotion like you're taking in both the emotion let's say you don't agree with it, right? You're taking in the emotion and the words at the same time. So does that make you feel more offended, do you think? So I think this is one of the most important parts about utilizing memes as a tool is it comes back to core values. My core value isn't to slander, isn't to try to be hateful or negative towards other people for my own gain. However. There is a certain type of individual who is okay utilizing a more controversial conversation to generate engagement. So there are literally marketing companies that have been hired by politicians to create memes in order to sway public opinion about other political figures or about certain agendas. So yes, that is 100% something that does occur in the meme community and in the world is, hey, how much can we offend somebody? How much can we really step over that line with an image? Because they knew if they were to write those specific words or say those things uh, online, the bots would shut them down. Or you know, more importantly, if they said it to someone in person, they'd probably get knocked out. But because they can hide behind the meme, because they can hide behind the internet, yeah, that that does happen. I always teach people, hey, good things happen to good people that do good things for other good people. So I'm always on the like, hey, let's be lighthearted and fun and and be good about this. But yes, you are. There's a lot of very uh, (laughs) highly inappropriate memes that offend and and definitely go the opposite route. So it, it really, to me, it's about intention and purpose. What are you doing it for? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and that goes with anything, there's all kinds of different people out there in the world. And it's just a matter of who you want to be aligned with and what you want your messaging to be. And, you know, why do you want to be remembered and all of those things. But it's interesting because, you know, that same political party could send you an email and you could read the same verbiage and maybe not have such a strong reaction versus when it's positioned in such a way that it incorporates something that you loved or something that, um, you know, and is now changed or something that triggers you. And you read those same words attached to that imagery, then it's almost like you, uh, you have greater feelings than you would otherwise. It 100% that imagery adds to the layer of emotional connection, mm-hmm. which is why it's so powerful in both directions, right? It's kind of like the force. It can be used for good and evil. 
Yeah. It's just a matter of how you want to operate. And it's the same way with writing a book, right? You can write a, a hateful, spiteful book that's targeted towards a specific person or audience. And there's going to be an audience of people who will connect with that. But yeah, you just have yeah, to decide who you are and, and what your mission and, and purpose is about. So you have this flagship situation with memes where you just start using them. And you're finding that they're working. I want to go into the day before or the moment before in your mind where it clicked and you went, hey, I think I'm going to try and incorporate these memes into my marketing. Because to me, that is the blend of like, I'm going to use my humor, what I think is funny. I'm going to kind of break that fourth wall you know, that we don't usually expose ourselves to, especially in a professional setting. It can be like, oh, hey, yeah, you know, I'm not your friend. I'm your, you know, I'm your salesperson. I'm your guide, right? I'm here to help you. What made you decide to use memes? So there's really a two-part answer to that. And I think it will be useful for the listener if they're considering like how they can use memes in their business. Mm -hmm. So let's start with part one. So I'm in sales and part of being a good salesperson isn't just being a great smooth talker and a one call closer. It's about follow-up because only 5% of your clients are going to be ready to purchase today. And the other 95% typically need somewhere between three and 12 months to move forward. That's just how it is. There are some industries that are like one call closes, but for the majority, yeah. follow-up is the real key to success in sales. And so where memes fit into that part of the conversation is I'm in sales. I have a lot of different leads that I have good conversations with. I feel like we build that great rapport. We get to the point where I make them an offer and I send a, a payment link to sign up for our service. And then they go ghost, right? They just disappear like dust in the wind. They stop responding. If you're in sales or run a business, you know exactly what I'm talking about and how defeating of a feeling that can be. Mm -hmm. So I was one day feeling a little defeated, feeling a little bit spicy. And I went through and found a list of, I don't know, 15 or 20 people that hadn't responded to me. And I sent them a meme of Jim Carrey from the movie Ace Ventura. There's a specific scene where he's in the dolphin tank and he's kind of like staring into the, the, the hole of the dolphin tank or something. But there's just a video of like Jim Carrey's face really looking like he's looking in through the screen. And it says, you there, question mark. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I sent this meme out to the 20 people that hadn't responded to me in, you know, some a couple weeks, some a couple months. Within five minutes, I started getting responses from a, a pretty good majority of these individuals. And a handful of them ended up signing up for our service in that moment or that same day. So people that hadn't responded to me in weeks or months, they get this meme, they start responding immediately, some of them turning into sales. That's crazy. My mind was blown. That's yeah, just crazy. Like, so you started doing, then what did you do after that? 
So after that, I thought this has got to be a fluke. Like maybe it's just stroke of luck, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I hit up a couple of my friends who are also in sales and I tell them the story and I say, try it. Just let me know what happens. Well, within a couple of days, I start getting messages back from my friends and they're saying, holy smokes, dude, this is working like crazy. One of my friends is a realtor. He's like, hey, I just got a $1.2 million home listing from sending a guy a meme that had ghosted me for three months. What? So I, if you're in real estate, you know, they make a pretty good commission on a, a sale of a home of $1.2 million. Yeah. So like just this random idea turned into a pretty sizable commission check for my friend. That's crazy. So that, that was kind of part one on, on how I thought there, there's something to this. Do you have any questions on that before I dive into part two for you? No. Go ahead. (laughs) Awesome. So yes, I'm like, this is crazy. This works for sales and follow-up. Like what else can I do with it? So then I thought to myself, well, we have this up and coming software program, phone sites. Mm -hmm. And part of it is trying to get more people to sign up and use the the program and share and tell people, right? We're growing, we're marketing. So I made a commitment to make one new phone sites related meme every day for 30 days. I said, Hey, I'm just going to think about why people would want to use our software. What's fun about it? What's cool. And then create memes using the hot trending like images that were going around in the meme community or that people would recognize. And I'm going to get their attention and try to get them to sign up for phone sites. Within 30 days, I had signed up like 10 new clients for the software. And I thought, well, I'm just going to keep going because this is all recurring commission. So every time I get someone to sign up, I get paid month after month after month after yeah. they've only, you know, signed up. So I went for 97 straight days making new memes for our phone site software. And wow. I ended up signing dozens of clients and I, you know, a couple thousand dollars a month in recurring affiliate commissions that I didn't even have to really think about just from making memes. So that's when I really went, okay, now I need to make a course and I need to teach people how they can do this in their business. Okay. So since this is a writing podcast, like all parts writing as well, let's dive into the writing of the memes. So when I think about memes, I think it's definitely copywriting related. Right. Because when you think of a headline, especially, it's got to be catchy. It's got to have a hook. It's got to have that like one, two punch that's like, oh man, what are they going to say next? And that's what draws people in. So if you were to write blogs or when you're coming up with your book title, you have a powerful headline and then you have a real catchy sub headline that's like the the one, two punch to get them days to really pick up that book and look deeper. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel about memes. You have to be very specific and intentional with your words, and you have to understand how to overlay the context and the deeper message with the image itself and the words you use. Because those specific words, just like in copywriting in your storyline, make a big difference in perspective because the difference between an audio like a podcast is you can hear voice inflection. With a meme, it's like reading a, a page of a book. You have to be able to use the words that you're putting down to create that emotion and elicit that feeling 
So it's super important to have copywriting background or knowledge when you're creating memes, because that's how you create that one-two connection very quickly. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. And now is there a ratio kind of percentage that you apply to the meme in terms of like, sometimes, I don't know if you remember this back in the day, Facebook would be like, you know, you can't have more than 20% of your ad covered with um, copy. Do you remember that? I do. And it's funny you mentioned that because that's the first thing that came to mind is like a good ratio. Mm-hmm. because the idea is you still need the image to be the pattern interrupt. The image has to be the thing that gets their attention. So if the words overtake the background layer of the image, yeah. then it's it's harder to get that attention. Now they're just reading the words and it doesn't have that same contextual connection because there's not as much image for them to relate to. So, and you have to be careful when you're making memes too, because you don't want them to be all kind of like long and convoluted. Like the joke has to be known immediately or it's not effective. It's like stand-up comedy. You have to have that short, punchy joke that really hits because that's, that's what marketing is these days, especially copywriting. If you think about it with Facebook ads, if you can't write a really compelling headline that catches somebody's attention while they're scrolling, You're just throwing money out the window. It's the same thing with your meme. If you've got someone's, you know, eight seconds of attention, because I think that's the average span of attention you get from Mm -hmm. most people, you've got to be able to get them hooked. They're not going to want to read a long, drawn out story that doesn't make a lot of sense. It's got to hit them hard and then get them to take that next action, right? Okay, cool. You've got their attention. Now, where is it leading them? And that's the same thing with when you're writing a book or writing a blog. There's got to be some main core purpose, but it always has to have a next step or a call to action for it to be effective. Yeah, truly it does. And it, it really doesn't matter what medium you're talking about. I mean, your your message should be short, punchy. It should be completely comprehensive with the criteria being, and you know this, that if you can't immediately understand it, it's time to move on. And you just might need to retire it to a different medium or, or you know, I talk about cutting the throats of your little darlings. I think where Stephen King talks about it. He's practically related anyways, because I want him to adopt me. So it doesn't matter who said it, but, uh, <laughs> but um, it's so hard for people to make that decision. But if your criteria is I read this to somebody and they can't understand it, it's done. It's over. It's not good for that medium. Do not get emotionally attached to it. Now, speaking of emotions is, and this will be our last question, except for I have one more after this, if you're up for it. Bonus question. Bonus question. Are you finding that it is easier to get across your messaging and what you want people to, how you want them to respond with humor versus any other like sort of nostalgia, like I'm sad you haven't called or, or anything else? I like humor because that's kind of my personality. Yeah. I'm kind of an introvert, honestly. So I don't really like people as funny as that sounds being in sales and being someone on stage in front of thousands of people. I'm kind of an introvert. 
Uh, however, if I am going to build a relationship with someone in the sense of my mentality is always, Hey, how can I serve to help every individual I meet live a better life? And that's kind of just my mission, right? If I can help someone crush their day before it crushes them, then hell yeah, that's a win for me. Um, I'm kind of humorous. I'm kind of a silly, funny guy. Once you get to know me and we have that relationship on the front end, you'd see me at six, two covered in tattoos kind of look like I just came out of prison, but I'm really just a big teddy bear if you know me. And so I think the humor side of things is important because especially with what I do in a sales and consulting standpoint, I mean, I work with multi-million dollar income earners and business owners, so they're pretty serious individuals. I still want them to know I'm a person. People buy from people. They do business with people that they know, like, and trust. So I think for me, using humor in my storytelling and the way that I interact with people and how I help people make a good decision to help themselves, it's super valuable. But again, everyone has a different audience. Everyone has a different personality. The reason it works for me is because it's authentic. If you're more of a uptight kind of by the books individual, then maybe your mentality and personality is going to lean a little more that way. And that's totally fine. If that's the kind of people you're doing business with, I hope the listener understands that it's not about how I do things or how you do things, Hillary. It's about how they want to operate with intention because everything that we do with intention creates the best results. Yeah, I think I think that's easy to understand. It's it's intention. It's being authentic. So what makes sense to you and your authenticity, your intention and your core values should all be tied in together. So there's no incongruencies or misalignments within those pieces. It makes it a lot easier Mm -hmm. when you think about, hey, a lot of what we do is online and through social media. But there are still these times when we meet people in public and it's a lot easier to just be who I am all the time, whether it's in public or online, than it would be to hide behind like a pen name or some false identity. I mean, I know that exists and that's totally okay too, if that's the goal. But for me personally, I'm all me all the time. And that just makes it easier for me to have those conversations, whether it's in written word or in person. Oh, absolutely. I'm the same way, the open book. And it's so relieving it's um, you're relieving so much stress and tension and the expectations that you think other people put on you when it actually is a lot of it, it's in your head. So I, I totally agree with you. And so what comes out of you and the media that comes out of you should be congruent to all of that. And if it's not, and it doesn't feel right, then it's time to step back and go, wow, how can I make a change here? So I actually feel better. So I actually feel in alignment And sometimes that means making those tough decisions. You've made those decisions before in your life of walking away and changing things. You know, and that's why I think it was important to mention that it's about the intention of your specific audience. Mm -hmm. If you're writing, hey, I'm going to write a specific kind of novel for a specific type of individual. So I want to use a pen name because I don't necessarily want to blend that with my public life. Okay, that's cool. I understand that. Mm -hmm. But if, if you're building that personal brand the way that I am, and honestly, for most people who are trying to build any business of any sort, mm-hmm. it's important to have that congruency. 
Yeah, it's very important with the personal branding. So let me ask you one final question. Woo, bonus question. What do you got for me? Okay, what is one thing people don't know about you? Oh, that is a tough question. <laughs> um, one thing that people don't know about me. I have the same fears as everybody else. So when they look at you, is that what you're getting from people a lot because of how you look and how tall you are and tattoos and all that? Do they see you as fearless? I think a lot of people see me and they wonder because of the massive amount of growth that I've experienced. You know, I, I, I kind of think sometimes people get that like, oh, man, this guy just blew up overnight. Yeah. But the truth is, and if you go back and read my my book, Crushing the Day, my first book, you'll know it took a lot of hard times and struggles to get where I am. And even though I'm experiencing just a small amount of the fruits of that labor over the years now, I'm just a regular dude like everybody else. I still get nervous to get on stage. I still wake up every day and want to be the best version of myself I can for my wife and for my son. Like we didn't even get to talk about them a whole lot on this, like, but they're my driving factor. And mm -hmm. every day I wake up, I'm like, Hey, I want to thank you, God. Thank you. Angels. Thank you. Body's blessed. Like keep me safe, keep me healthy and help me make good choices because I know everything I'm going to do today is with the intention and purpose of creating a great life. And if I don't wake up tomorrow, when I go to bed tonight, I want to know that I crushed the day before it crushed me. Right. But I'm still like everybody else. I still have nerves. I still get scared. I still worry. I've just made a commitment to say, Hey, when those nerves pop up, I'm going to rewire that to be excitement for the possibility of what's to come. That is amazing. Rewiring fears to show up as excitement in your life. And you have made a commitment to yourself to never back down from those fears. I mean, I got important things in my life I got to take care of. So if I can't be the one to support me, who can really be there? Absolutely. It's always, it's always number one, man. It's always inside ourselves. Well, Jerby Wilson, thank you so much for being on the show today. As always, time just grew legs and got away from us because I can't believe we're done. <laughs> it goes that fast when you're having a good time. It really does. It really does. Jerby Wilson of Crushing the Day, a simple guide to success in business and life through service to others, is an Amazon bestseller that was so hot it broke the algorithm. You want to follow this guy. Let me tell you what. The soon-to-be, and I'm just going to predict this, best-selling author of Meme Lord, which is a new way of doing business. It's a new way of capturing leads and boosting your sales, but it's also a new way of communication. So make sure that you grab that book when it comes up for sale too. I love that he's always willing to share so much of himself when he comes on the show, but I also know that's how he lives his life. He's a regular giver. If you have a business book nibbling away at you, follow his lead on blending these elements to make it read well and resonate. And especially go back and listen to the parts where he talks about the effectiveness of memes. 
So if you're searching for words, if you're searching for copy, you can cut that all down and you can use memes. Read well and resonate. Those are your R words for the day, sponsored by Bookmark, just like Sesame Street. To get in touch with Drewby and learn all about his sales techniques, what he's up to, and why memes are working for him, head to connectwithdrewby.com. And as always, we will have that URL in the show notes. Now that's it for this week's chapter of Write Effing Now. When you need proven tips on getting the best writing on the page, you know where to go. Until next time, authors, write on. 